about it. Okay. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm here on, our, on my living room floor with my dearest soul sister, Sarah Waxman. Say hi, Sarah. Hey. <clears throat> I'm here on the floor, too, with my dearest soul sister, Pleasance. And a very snoring doggy. <laughs> but at least it's not barking. Miller's taking a little nap. He'll probably start barking in like five minutes. That's what he does. Um, everyone who listens to the podcast knows because he's always barking on the podcast. So that's how it goes. Good. Um, okay, Sarah, you were a kid's yoga teacher at Little Ohm. True statement. When you lived in D.C. True. And then you left us and moved to California. Tell us what happened when you moved to California. I started wearing more leopard print yoga pants. Yes! With ease and without feeling self-conscious. Yes! And I did continue teaching children's yoga and mindfulness um, mm-hmm. up until actually just recently. So I did that for 10 years, Pleasance. Oh my and gosh. I actually learned it from you. And I remember so vividly sitting on the floor of the first Little Ohm studio over on MacArthur Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Palisades. Uh, Palisades, yes. And... Um, you were telling me about mindful schools and about oh, yeah. your program to teach kids yoga, and I then just sort of walked into that door that you opened up for me and did it for ten years. And I did end up teaching with mindful schools for four years, yeah. and have taught thousands of children and teachers how to bring more awareness into schools. Before we go into what you're doing now, um, which is super relevant today of all days, which we'll tell you all about. What do you think your biggest takeaways from your 10 years in the schools and working with children? Like, what are the things that you really noticed? Biggest takeaways, number one, that job is really fun and fulfilling Mm -hmm. and active and alive and working with people's hearts in a way, like as a class or as something that you could bring into an education setting is so special. Um... So I think just a really rewarding and exciting job. And also I got to do it during the wave of this happening. And mm-hmm. now, you know, in 2018, end of 2018, doing it for 10 years, that's a long time in the field. So mm-hmm. I feel really grateful to have gotten a chance to have, do, have you know, been doing it during that exciting time, especially in D.C. where I didn't know anybody else other than you and me that were doing that work. And now there's a lot more. Yes. And that's exciting. Yes. So um, there's that. In terms of like what I saw in schools and with children, well, first of all, with teachers, it's just a caregiving job and those people Mm -hmm. get neglected. And to just for a moment look a teacher in the eye and ask them how they are is just already a thing. So to see and and really hold and to create space for teachers to create their own their own types of practices, their own relationship to their to themselves. And then how they might show up from a place of awareness was so rewarding beyond just like teaching them how to teach kids, just getting to serve them in any sort of capacity within the hours of their work day um, was really, um, I don't know how to describe it in words. It was just profound Mm -hmm. Um, and so much need. I mean, schools systems are hurting so much because teachers can't keep their jobs and it's just burnout and we lose a lot of money in our city governments because Mm -hmm. of teacher turnover so to to sort of work towards having that not be the case in schools was really rewarding and then for kids kids are so present already to give them the language to express Mm -hmm. themselves and what's going on for them in the moment is just so empowering that you could 
get a first grader to walk up to their teacher and say, I'm in my mud mine and I can't learn right now. I know this because I'm having a hard time breathing. Can I go sit in the corner and do my practice breaths before I'm ready to learn? That, that I've seen that time and time and time again happen with the most unlikely kids. And that just saved the whole classic teacher telling the kid to stop fidgeting, kid not being able to stop fidgeting, teacher yelling at the kid, kid feeling <laughs> right, bad about cycle. it, yeah. then kid gets sent out of the room, then there's anger, then they miss the thing. And while the rest of the 25 kids in the classroom are just watching out of fear or mm-hmm. sort of like like hilarity at the same kid getting in trouble again, instead we can just um, empower the classroom to have common language around the inner world mm-hmm. and around our learning capabilities and to know ourselves better from the inside out and to you know to work with like five-year-olds six-year-olds 10-year-olds 12-year-olds 15-year-olds to do that is so rewarding and fun and cool and strong Mm -hmm. um yeah I loved it so much I I definitely miss it it's part of my heart still it's not necessarily what I'm working on but I am a teacher at heart and it comes out in all the conversations Do you miss working with kids at all right now? Um, I just miss the like happiness yeah. from kids. Yeah. I think when I was teaching yoga and mindfulness, again, it's not like I I got to teach them the fun stuff. Right. You right, know, it's right. not like I, everyone came in hating my subject. Everyone right. was excited to come to my class. So it was definitely the type of job that I left. I like could go in in any mood, and and no matter, I left feeling better. I never left feeling worse or. In fact, I might be tired because I've done 150 sun salutations yeah. with kids all day. Yeah, right. But I'm not emotionally tired from having yeah. to do something I didn't feel like energized to do. It was like a physical tired always. And that I miss that feeling of um, like uh, getting, I don't know. I don't have the word like my soul felt good every day after yeah, work yeah yeah and I felt like I had meaning and purpose yeah, yeah I have yeah. meaning and purpose now yeah. I just have to do things that are less um less like running around a room pretending to be elephants like and practicing our breath yeah, yeah. Playfulness, playfulness and yeah and the fun of teaching yeah. kids yoga and coming up with stories you're and just so creative totally totally standing <laughs> our putting our feet on the wall right. and just you know deep breaths or screaming or wiggling like <clears throat> I spend a lot more time asking for money from yeah. people to help do good things, and that's not quite the same. Yeah, it's different. So yeah. you have to get your play, like, still met, like, checked off in other ways, like, still more intentionally plan it, like, going to dance classes and things like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, playing is important. Yeah. I've also never been known for being, like, the lightest person myself. Yeah. I have a, a darkness to me that's sort of the endearing quality Hey, we're myself. Geminis. Yeah. We've got both, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have to do much more to bring in that um, playfulness and lightness yeah. in my life yeah. and also be around people who help that in me. Yeah. More. Do you feel like you had to do that as much when you were teaching or no? Cause you were getting that in the schools. Do you notice a difference? Um, <clears throat> I mean, my nieces and nephews call me silly Sarah. Mm-hmm. So I think I, when there's children in the room, I kind of just like hang out with them. Yeah. I, I notice myself doing that. Yeah. And now I have a lot more nieces and nephews. So that happens yeah. more. Yeah. But in my day to day, I mean, now I live in San Francisco and that city is just kind of full of wacky playful people so Mm. 
I'm surrounded by and I'm attracted to the type of people who would bring that out in me. Yeah. But I do go to dance three days a week. Yeah. And I do, you know, wear fun clothes. Yeah. And I do... Um, yeah, creativity yeah. and art come through in how we dress and how we present ourselves. And I think it's an often overlooked aspect of a way to bring in playfulness. But it's really fun to get up and dress in a way that you feel awesome that really aligns with who you are. Yeah. Right? And you still get to do that. Yeah. Fun jewelry also helps. Yeah. Just, <clears throat> yeah, leaning towards it. Um. Tell me a little about your yoga practice, how it's evolved, and like where, when you came to it, and then what happened in sort of the middle area, what you noticed after some time, and where is it now? Um, I stopped listening to your full question because I was thinking about what, yo- <laughs> what yoga meant and what my yoga practice That's might okay. be. That's okay. Yeah. Talking about the asana aspect of my yoga? Any, whatever, when I say that, whatever you okay. mean by that. <laughs> whatever you hear and you want to talk about. Because um, neither of us are practicing as much as we used to in a studio, on a mat, in a shape, called down dog. Like, we're, like we've moved after so many years away from such a formal practice that for I, from what I think, at least in my experience and what I know about you, like was so meaningful to us and really helped us in really hard times. Yeah. And, um, well, I still go to a studio. Yeah. And I still, I try, I, I, I still am doing that like once or twice a week. Yeah. Maybe. That's about where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely in different types of classes Yeah, than I used to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I found yoga when I was a division one athlete mm-hmm. at the university of Pennsylvania playing women's lacrosse mm-hmm. and there was a yoga studio between the field and my home, which mm-hmm. was where I spent 97% of my waking hours. Um, and I was in a lot of pain physically in my body and I wasn't playing the type of lacrosse that I was recruited to as my coach was reminding me every day. And my trainer who I was you know spending hours in the training room kind of getting my shoulders loosened said you know she was like waxman you gotta try something else (laughs) (laughs) you can't be in here doing this the whole (coughs) your whole life (laughs) and so I didn't know what that meant I don't think she had any advice for me about what that meant but I did look up on Mm -hmm. my way home from the field that day and noticed there was a sign that said beginner's yoga a hundred dollars ten classes and a mat and I walked in, and I signed up, and I did the whole beginner's thing, and yeah. very, 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 very quickly into my yoga practice in that moment, and it was a core power um, place, and that was what I needed as a Division One athlete and mm-hmm. 21-year-old version of myself, yeah. 20, 21-year-old, and um, I, t- I couldn't touch my toes, and I felt really embarrassed, and mm-hmm. I also was, like, in top physical shape and was very inflexible, so... It just was, became very clear very early that yoga was going to be important to me. And I um, was pretty religious about going from that moment on, yeah. especially in college. And I do think that it had a major, major impact on my success as an athlete, which yeah. I ended up being the national goalkeeper of the year two times in a row after six months after that yoga class. How many so. times a week were you going at that point? Probably three. <clears throat> yeah. Two or three, but that was outside of practice. Right, And then right. in the summer, I was going every day. Every day, yeah. 
Um, and it, it, it helped my body and it also totally helped my mind. So yeah. there's like that whole thing. Yeah. And looking back on playing um, sports in college, especially as a goalkeeper, I would describe, I would add it to my list when people are saying, tell me about your spiritual life and about your spiritual practices. And I would say being an athlete on a team sport in the zone mm-hmm. in a goalkeeper role is a spiritual experience because I'm connected to something bigger than myself I'm very connected to what's going on within myself <coughs> yeah. and I actually can use my mind to perhaps slow moments down in order for me to respond to what's yeah. going on so that was a big deal after college I moved to Mexico and I and that I stopped being an athlete and I, I did yoga several times a week and that was very important <coughs> after that I moved to DC I met you and also sort of unwinding and uncovering what was going on in my inner world and inner life and Mm -hmm. becoming more honest with myself about my happiness and then yoga became even more important and it's kind of all simultaneous happened at the same time but I've gone through periods where I was going to yoga like five times a week yeah um and right now I'm in a place where I'm going once or twice a week I'm definitely what are the classes like that you go to now or you find yourself attracted to like uh um, I can't remember what it's called. Flow and restore. Oh yeah, I love something those. like a <laughs> slow flow. <laughs> yeah, like you know, forty-five minutes of um, hatha mm-hmm. postures that might make you sweat, and then <clears throat> twenty minutes of restorative poses. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like the like eight p.m. candlelit, mm-hmm. gentle, because mm-hmm. you just get those delicious deep spine twists mm-hmm. that you're not forcing yourself to look good in. You're just feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to yoga teacher training school at, um, Trickle Space, and I remember there, even though that's a pretty, um, heavily vinyasa studio, that not only did they make me go to 10 other types of yoga classes mm-hmm. as part of my training mm-hmm. to, to learn about a lot of different ones, and I also became really interested in Iyengar for alignment mm-hmm. reasons mm-hmm. and for, um, being an ex-athlete and needing to put my body back together, um, that I was always interested in lots of different types of yoga, kundalini, mm-hmm. um, anahata, one that was a thing. What was it called? Um, Anusara. Anusara, <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't stay with Core Power for very long because there was something that stuck with me during my training that I learned that was like, make your workouts your workouts and your yoga and your yoga and have them be separate things. Mm-hmm. And that was something that really resonated with me because <coughs> going back to my first answer to you about what is yoga. Yeah. Um... I see it as the union and off the mat is one of the ways that I practice it and being integrated with my whole self and the oneness of myself is how I would imagine it. I just am really, really grateful and appreciative to that ancient wisdom lineage that that gave the instruction manual on how you might move your body and your breath to feel Mm -hmm. good because I don't get that from some of my other spiritual practices, mm-hmm. the actual physicality part of yes, it. Yes, the embodiment. The embodiment yeah. and the like <clears throat> routine yeah. of Warrior One and how yeah. that might be different if I had just gotten in a challenging conversation with a loved one versus mm-hmm. I feel amazing and had the best weekend ever. Like, yeah. you know, I feel different in my body and I have the routine of knowing that and seeing that and looking for it that... I still feel really connected to yoga and that like asana practice of it. Although it's, yeah, it's totally woven into how I see myself as part of this world. 
and in your dance. Like that's one of the things I've noticed is I don't <clears throat> crave mat-based classes because w once that sort of like breathful posture embodiment comes into your life integrated over and over and over for so many years it's like that's the same breath I'm doing when I'm lifting those heavy weights at Orange Theory or if I'm on a spin bike I'm breathing I'm like wow this is my yoga today <clears throat> or bringing it into dance or bringing it into a walk it's like oh I don't have to do it that way I can actually integrate it and bringing it into all the ways and I love what you said about doing like the same standing pose or moving into the same standing pose it's like multiple times over your life or even a week in and how you show up differently. And I remember when the Mohans, <clears throat> A.G. Mohan and his wife came to Little Om and he was like, I just wish you all would get bored in your practice. He's like, I think Americans are trying, you know, this is supposed to be exciting. Let's change it up. Let's create new poses. Let's change the sequence, you know? And he was like, just get bored. Like, that's actually what I want you to practice because none of you in here are good with being bored. And I, that just really hit me because so much of <clears throat> what I loved about it in my 20s was that every class was different and <clears throat> there were so many different sequences and so much loud music. And like, I loved that um, until I realized it was feeding like so much of the um, energy that I already had. So I had to take it down a notch <laughs> and I wanted to, to see how that felt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, once I stopped playing, you know, intense sports and mm -hmm. I realized that I had cultivated so much heat. I didn't <coughs> need to cultivate more right, heat. Right, right. I needed to cultivate some chillness so that I could be more balanced. Yes. That's when I re was realizing the type of yoga that I was doing was important to balance out what my goals were for myself. Yes. In all areas of <coughs> your life. And like I said, right now I'm like into playful and lightness. So. Right me wiggling on the floor right is gonna help me do that yeah um but I still think that having the routine of a practice with a teacher that I respect mm -hmm. and like even if I get angry at them sometimes during class or bored <laughs> with yes. another vinyasa um it's still that that structure is important to me and I'm excited to have looked back on my life as an old woman um, still doing the same thing and yeah. I've had that yeah. practice, you know, practice spiritual life, practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I just wrote something about this, about being 80. Like I spend a lot of time with my 80 year old self right now in my journal. Right. And she's like got long gray braids. Good. And... Because I spend time with my nine year old self. Yeah. Right. So they're probably hanging out ish. Although I'm older than you. So yeah. I'll be a hundred. Maybe I should start yeah. doing 80 and you 80 should start doing 90. 90 so we can we'll be on the porch together. <clears throat> but there's all this like just joy about having these lifelong practices and teachings. And, um, and there's a woman in the neighborhood who I've seen for many, many, many years. I mean, she's gone to so many studios that I have and she walks to the studio and she's holds her mat and she has so much like poise and grace but kindness <clears throat> and I always think of her like I as as just something I really just respect her her commitment to her practice and how she shows up for it and she's not in a frenzy and she's not late because there's also people who come to the studio that I go to who will just throw everything down and they're it's they're very stressed out about it. But she has this like gentleness, this just trust that I um, hope to have when I'm still practicing at that age. Which also it, my today's movement is in commitment of that of being her. Yeah, so to say, aren't you doing that now? Because <clears throat> if I don't have if I overwork or overstress my joints now, 
I'm not a robot, so something will have to be fixed or healed. You know, something could happen where then I can't be that woman walking to do it. And so it's like, oh, well, I might as well move in really healthy, delicious ways today so that I can keep doing this every day for the rest of my life. Well, I already have a donated dead person's body part in my body from my torn ACL. Yeah. You'll just keep adding Modern them on. science is pretty amazing. For this. <laughs> like yeah. Put a little vigor into your joints. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, when I'm lifting the weights, like, I don't have to do the hour and go to the heaviest I can do. Yeah. I can do heavy. In Ayurveda, they always say, like, break a sweat. Like, sweat is good. Sweat is good for detoxing. Sweat is good for cleansing. Sweat is good for our whole system. Yeah. But know when you've then pushed it to dis-ease. When yeah. you've pushed it beyond a healthy range. And for me, that commitment to my future self is why I run for 20 minutes a day instead of two hours a day. Yeah. Or why I stopped doing half marathons because it did not feel good in my knees. And I had to come to a point where it was like, this isn't going to get better the more I run. Like, who are all the people I know who have all the knee issues? Okay, so then how can I do it in a way that still feels good but honors my physical body? Yeah. That's had so much, you know, trauma and births and things going through it. So I think the... Just everybody is different, and everything totally. that you're doing in your life is different. I yeah. am close to people who have um, very important, this government's high stressful jobs, and in order to balance that energy, they need to do very, very physical exercise every morning in order to like maintain the ability to stay calm in those meetings. And it's like, just looking at look at your whole life. Yeah, right. And what your really what your goals are, mm-hmm. like you said, for your whole life. And you're in this mm-hmm. moment right now where you're looking at your whole life, mm-hmm. and that works for you, right? In this time, and <clears> it, <throat> it, it it looks different for everybody and in every day. And I just think before routine. I, totally, I think before I turned forty, though, I didn't approach every day until I really started studying Ayurveda and turned forty. I did not really see. I didn't make choices today based on the future. And I just was a very moment to moment, like I constantly wanted hits of joy. And so if that came through intense exercise or through drinking alcohol or through planning a party or through avoiding something, like I just always, I was like adrenaline junkie, a joy junkie. And so like being able to pause a bit, um, it's just a, it's just a different way for this stage <laughs> to try on and be like, oh, that's interesting, you know? Yeah. And I love these stories of people's movement practices and how they change and flow because I think that's really important. People will often come and be like, I'm sort of not really inspired by my life. And one of the first things I'll ask them is like, well, how do you move your body? And if they're saying, oh, well, I've been going to the same Pilates place and the same teacher for 15 years, I'm like, okay, so let's try to find some other things that might be that might bring you some joy because yeah. movement is joy, you totally. know, and yeah. we don't often see it that way in, in, at least <clears throat> in this city where there's so much boutique fitness that people get really addicted to myself included. I'm not leaving myself out. Um, so it's important to have those, you know, combinations. Okay. So tell me how Pleasants and I are going to go stand on river road after this <laughs> yeah, right. boom box out there and just with our wiggle. leopard pants and shake. Woo. Like, who are those weirdos? Well, like, I will tell you that I'm going to, I'm doing a mind body medicine five day training this weekend and I, they sent the, um, the agenda and on day one, like session two is moving and shaking. Good. And I'm like, yes. Shaking five, is you incredible. Know. Just incredible. plug out there for anybody that's having, um, some like depression or mental <sighs> health or anxiety that. stuff like shaking for me. <laughs> 
is such an important practice. It's yeah. just you, and if you're like, what is shaking? It's like you just you just move your body back and forth in any lying on the floor, standing up yeah. in your car, joints, wrists, hands. You're six years old in class and can't learn. Yeah. You just um, I don't have the definition of shake, but you just move your body back and forth. That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and just leave we'll your, do videos. Leave for your you mind guys. out of it. Don't try to bring your mind into understanding that's yeah. never going to be able to do. It's a somatic thing. This is not an intellectual thing. Ugh. Um. We okay. So now you're running sacred circles. That's one way to describe it. How yeah. did you make your way? to at the well which is your nonprofit, mm-hmm. tell us how it was how you conceived of it and its birth yeah and what it is <clears throat> and what it is at the well is a women's health and wellness nonprofit organization we are specifically and unapologetically rooted in jewish wisdom and um is a source of a lot of light for thousands of people in the world now including myself and it feels really um, happy to be doing... I feel really happy to be doing that work. Mm-hmm. And um, tomorrow is At The Well's third birthday. Yeah, so That's a really big deal. Yes. And we're recording this podcast <coughs> also on the last day of the new... Or the last day of the month in the Hebrew calendar, um, which was Tishrei. And tomorrow will be the, the first sliver of the new moon. Tonight's the new moon, tomorrow's the first sliver, and that starts the first day of the next month in each Hebrew calendar month, mm-hmm. um, Cheshvan. And so we started at the well three years ago on the new moon of Cheshvan. Not we, you. I. Yeah, well, like, I'm you a Gemini, I. remember? So like I know. me so and you, the other side you, of me. You and the other side of you. Yeah. I just want you to take full credit for I do, your, I do. your wisdom and brilliance. I started writing a newsletter, but it also wasn't... It's not an I, and I don't think of myself that way, and I don't think of at the well that way. I do see that I have taken action forward, but I've only been able to do what I've done because of what people have done before me, mm-hmm. and I feel really connected to staying in touch with that lineage that is constantly ever-evolving and changing, and I'm part of a 4,000-year-old wisdom that is still on earth because of the greatest game of telephone of all time, mm-hmm. just like my ancestors whispering these practices in my ear and me taking them and making meaning for myself and hopefully passing them down to some future people. So in that way, I still feel like at the well is a we because I could only have done this based on what the women in the 60s and 70s did for me mm-hmm. that they didn't know and I wasn't even born yet. So um, there's that. And at this point, there's five other people who are contracted by yes. at the well to now work. Yes, now you're a growing we. There's thousands totally. of people. Um, but yeah. So at the well is going to be three by the time that you hear this. And yeah, so we're a wellness organization, just like a lot of the people that are listening to your podcast are familiar with different types of wellness organizations. Um, and that means a lot of different things for, you know, it could be uh, uh, a person that you go and learn with or some yoga pants or a tea company. Like there's a lot of different types of wellness organizations. Mm-hmm. But we do um, some really particular things mm-hmm. and special things. We bring out rituals that are within Jewish spirituality and bring them into the wellness world. So create the access points to practicing, learning about, and um, resourcing yourself with Jewish wisdom as a way to feel good and whole in your life. Mm -hmm. We specifically are interested 
in the intersection of health and holiness. Mm-hmm. And that's a conversation that's happening in our country in a bigger scale. <coughs> and at the well's lane of that conversation is women's health and Jewish wisdom. Mm-hmm. And both women and Judaism have expanding definitions that are ever evolving. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't even care to talk about what they mean so much, but I will say that I want to be inclusive of all people mm-hmm. for wherever you fit into the spectrum of both those words. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do we do? Um, one of the main things we do is support revitalize, breathe new air into an ancient Jewish ritual of women gathering every new moon. Mm -hmm. So that's when the moon is the darkest. Mm -hmm. And this is a ritual, we call it Rosh Chodesh, which Mm -hmm. means head of the month. And um, it's a ritual we share with almost every land-based people and civilization ever in time. Mm -hmm. So I love working on this ritual um, because I can do it Jewishly and I can also... Um, also connect it beyond people who will identify with using Jewish spirituality or have Jewish practice mm-hmm. in their life because it's a ritual that's pretty universal. Mm-hmm. And I get to just work on my corner of the world, mm-hmm. which are the Sarahs and Rebecca's and the mm-hmm. Rachel's and the Michal's and the Pleasances <clears throat> of the world. <laughs> um, we're also laughing because there's a book in front of us called Noon Moon Astrology, <laughs> which is probably written by a Jewish woman. <laughs> um, but Chancel. it's not. it's not about... Um, Jewish wisdom's version of that. Right. Um, so anyways, this ritual, um, we have a lot about it on our website at thewellproject.com, so you can learn more than just this podcast, mm-hmm. but it's something very old and ancient and um, and really has not been supported in any sort of significant way. There, before At the Well Exists, had been four books written in English about it, um, and the, the one before At the Well's existence was as old as I am, which was 32. Mm-hmm. And so I felt really called to breathe new life into it, like mm-hmm. I said, because I started practicing Rosh Chodesh, which meant that I met monthly with a group of women who were committed to showing up for each other. Mm-hmm. And we had a rotating leadership model, which mm-hmm. means that we had a sense of belonging mm-hmm. because we all participated in its existence and owned it together, not just an event or a gathering, but an actual community where we were all responsible for its existence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we would, we, you know, we would, I still do. We meet monthly in people's homes and we rotate whose homes we're in and we rotate who's the facilitator of the evening. And then we also rotate the, the role of the hype woman whose job it is to make sure that our schedules align and get mm-hmm. us all excited mm-hmm. to get there. So... <coughs> we share that responsibility. We also share following. It's important to do that. And so I was really transformed by this ritual when I learned about it. And Why? In what ways? Um, I was struggling with a lot of aloneness and depression. And this is, um, I mean, I think Judaism, one of the things it has to offer the world is our radical and fervent belief in community and ability to do that and structure that in everything. So Rosh Chodesh and what At The Well calls well circles are an example of how to build community. And like I said before, community is a group of people with a shared mission and shared responsibility Mm -hmm. for the sense of belonging. And so I felt like I belonged. On top of that, I was learning about how to track my spiritual life by using the Hebrew calendar. Like Mm -hmm. I just said is uh, flips each month with the moon. We're also a land-based people, so we're one of the only calendar systems that goes by the moon and the sun. And um, Passover, for those of you who know, has to be in the spring, and Sukkot has to be in the fall. And so we adjust our calendar 
to be able to both be telling time by the moon, but in relationship to the land and in relation to our harvest. Mm -hmm. So what I was doing with my well circle, uh, my Rosh Chodesh circle, was that I was learning about each Hebrew month and using the themes of that month to help all of us do our personal growth. Mm -hmm. But again, alone together, like in this community together. Mm -hmm. But it was the really the first time that I was really incorporating my spiritual life and my and time, especially in relation to like time and what day it is and that matters and mm-hmm. it's not just October 7th or whatever day. Right. It's also the new moon of T- of, of right. Cheshvan 5779 right. and those are both happening <coughs> right now. Yeah. And so it was it was a way for me to bring my spiritual life and my Judaism um, and incorporate it into my daily life mm-hmm. and that really was radical. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was both the um, community and mm-hmm. really actually being in one not just going to events and having that word be used and still leave feeling alone. Mm. Um, it was really, really unapologetically incorporating Jewish time and Jewish spirituality into my life to help me navigate how to live each day. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the third is that because it's a moon-based holiday and because it's a group of, um, in my case, cis women, so female Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. um, who are in the reproductive years it was a moment for me to learn about my body in terms of uh, being a cycling body a menstruating Mm -hmm. body and um, I learned some really important lessons I had never learned in my life um, about menstrual tracking which Mm -hmm. is also a Jewish spiritual practice (coughs) and in relationship to my mental health it was like a radical thing so um, Rosh Chodesh changed my life because it helped me connect with my body Mm -hmm. and my spiritual life and um, my community and I was transformed by this ritual I was perplexed at the lack of resources that were available I'm someone like you who then takes action on holes (laughs) in the world that need to happen not from a place of like oh I want to give this to somebody else but because I want it in my life and I want to be surrounded by the type of people who are having the same conversations as me Mm And so when enough, um, I don't have another word of this, when I stopped bitching about it and then I started doing something about it, um, that's when At The Well was born. And it started with just a newsletter that happened um, each month before each new moon. That was the um, themes and a guide, we call a moon manual, to each Hebrew calendar month. And that those are all on our website. And I spent two years researching and writing those. Yeah. And I also brought in 60 other people to um, <clears throat> add different parts of each moon manual. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were special because mm-hmm. they um, up, updated a ritual mm-hmm. that needed it. Mm-hmm. And in Judaism, we're the people of the book. We mm-hmm. love books. Mm-hmm. The Torah is the best book club of all time. Mm-hmm. It's been happening. We've been reading the same book for mm-hmm. thousands of years. All my ancestors have been reading the same mm-hmm. book. And <clears throat> at the same time, um, there's written Torah and oral Torah. And written Torah is like the Torah, like the mm-hmm. books and that we read and the libraries and all the things that Jewish people give to the world in terms of thought and intellectual thought. And then there's the the conversations mm-hmm. and the eye contact mm-hmm. and the secret things that aren't recorded. <clears throat> and that's called oral Torah. And those are actually equal and of importance to each other. But oral Torah was always dominated by women. Mm. And it wasn't until the 60s and 70s in America, in the reform and conservative movements, did women start participating in written Torah. And so this ritual of Rosh Chodesh, that's always been a women's holiday, mm. doesn't have a written textual mm-hmm. trace 
<coughs> so it can both be um, neglect. It can be neglected. Mm-hmm. It can be forgotten. Mm-hmm. It could be not capable of passed down. Like if you come from people who are running for their lives, mm-hmm. then um, mm-hmm. you're not able to pass some right. things down. And in a time when we're trying to reach back in ancient practices to pull out things that are relevant to us, when we have a traceable history of my people's thought on the Torah for thousands of years, but we're missing some of the things that were whispered and Mm -hmm. talked about at night, especially with women. Um, So that's how we ended up not having that many books or that many organizations or that much philanthropic dollars going to support the support of that ritual. Um, the good news is that people like me can do things about it. Mm-hmm. And now three years in, we have, I think, about 150 circles in six countries in the world that so are meeting cool. thousands of people who are <clears throat> following along with our newsletter and writing content of their own and following us on Instagram and making meaning in their lives. So it's um, a long answer, but this ritual of Rosh Chodesh is really important. And the last thing that I'll say about it is that I help individuals form communities around this marking of time Mm. around this new moon marking of time Mm -hmm. and at the well has all this content to support people to do it Mm -hmm. and then my main job and at the well's main job is to think about how to build a network of those communities Mm -hmm. and networks are different than communities Mm and that they're not necessarily about belongingood Mm -hmm. um, but they are about shared values Mm -hmm. and so what we think about is how can we inspire these communities to pop up in the spectrum of jewish peoplehood mm-hmm. and non-Jewish peoplehood and whoever wants, um, then our job is to instill and, and teach these shared values mm-hmm. that a well circle in the Upper West Side of Orthodox women and a well circle of doulas in Brooklyn and a well circle mm-hmm. of trans women in Seattle can all have a shared value set but be expressing themselves differently mm-hmm. in their circles. Um, so I spent a lot of time coaching circles and building networks of circles what are you most proud of for at the well what do you feel like is something that you feel super proud of and you like to celebrate or want to celebrate um that I've achieved the goals that I set out to do Mm -hmm. and now we're in a transition time to rethink what our new goals are yeah that like I felt so called to just do this. It wasn't like I waited for someone to create the job. I just yeah, started right. doing it. <laughs> well, good luck waiting for someone to create the job. Yeah, no, these days. That's <coughs> right. And right. like also, I'm someone who's always created my own job, so I'm right. feeling proud of myself for just being myself. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to this, I feel like I set out to update resources on Rosh Chodesh. Yeah. Both the content of the Hebrew month and how to go about making a women's circle. And in this moment, I can say that. There's two that. years of thought on each Hebrew month. There's a packet for $36, so super affordable, that I wrote with 30 women on how to create these circles for themselves. Yeah. And I gave <clears throat> what's called an Eli talk. It's like a Jewish TED talk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just as scary as giving a TED talk. It's yeah, like totally. 10 minutes, no <laughs> notes, on a screen, seeing yourself on screen, people like looking at you on their phones on the way to work, like... It's out there in the world. You guys can find it on our website. I'm feeling really proud of it. But those, that, the talk, the resources, mm-hmm. the moon manuals um, are out there. And anybody that wants to bring this ritual into mm-hmm. their life can do that. Um, so can we talk about <clears throat> the behind the scenes? So you guys have been around for three years. And that's usually the startup mode, right? The first three years yeah. is... 
the sort of all in, do it all, figure it out. You've never done this before. Uh-uh. <clears throat> so you had to learn all of that. You had so many things you had to learn, right? Yeah, I did like learn all the Jewish content. Every, I mean, the content plus running the business, being uh-huh. a nonprofit, asking for money, getting the technology. I mean, all the things. All the it's things. Literally all the things. Everything. So now you're at this point where you've achieved your goals. How do you approach this next phase or transition or goal setting? Like what's happening now? Not so much. I mean, you're welcome to share with us like what your vision is, but I'm also always really curious about how people mentally and physically and emotionally deal with, okay, I've set these goals. I've achieved these goals. And now I'm in this position of making some choices. Like how does that feel? And what does that look like in your daily life? It feels good. I mean, a lot's happened. I, now this is my full-time job. I'm mm-hmm. no longer doing my other jobs that I was doing along yeah. the way. So I get paid an executive salary to do this work. Yeah. I work for At The Well now. And yeah. that's the separation between me as a person and the organization <coughs> is like full on. Yeah. Um, and how long has that been? I started working full-time in March. Okay, great. And now it's October. Yeah, I'm like in the room August, in time. I don't know, September. <laughs> I started being full-time um, right after the month of Shvat, which is about planting seeds in the okay. Hebrew calendar, and now um, we're further along. Yeah. <laughs> but people that know me know that I think of time in, in. both my spiritual life <laughs> yeah, and right. in the Roman, <coughs> the Roman time that we all subscribe to, even though it means not much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I've transitioned to being this being my full-time job. We are incorporating ourselves beyond just being fiscally sponsored by another nonprofit that could take our donations on our behalf. Uh-huh. I have a board. I have a, a spiritual board, and I have a business board. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people that are helping us raise the money that we need to do, and I and we also have a strategist. So we work, you know, someone who knows about how to build nonprofits. Yeah, that is there, and um, we're <laughs> we're learning it together. But it, I. I'm privileged enough to have the super sauce point of genius to get the smart people on the team. Yeah. And then I trust them to do that. Yeah. And I just participate. I get myself in cruise yeah. control mode <clears throat> and I'm not driving the train anymore. I'm just being brought into the conversation. So mm-hmm. that support's really, really helpful because it's hard to be both the yoga teacher and the owner of the studio. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as a lot of different parts of yourselves and it's hard to do both well. Are you someone who's always been good at delegating or do you have founder syndrome or like, tell me a little bit about sort of how you operate in being strategic on bringing the strategists on board or other people. Cause one of the things that we see a lot, I'm sure you've seen a lot is the founder. Then it's really hard for them to let go. They think they know it all and they end up <clears throat> um, hitting a lot of bumps along the way. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to interview the people that work for At The Well to get the Ask real that. answer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but I will say that I hear from them often that I'm surprisingly the least foundered syndrome yeah. person. I yeah. mean, I have, they, they remind me that I have a little <coughs> bit of it, but I yeah. also, I'm not a perfectionist, which I think helps me go a long way. Me too. Um, it's just like not about doing it the perfect or right, and I don't mm-hmm. even believe in it. It's just about doing it. Mm-hmm. So I have that. I don't have to get over that. And I think it's because I never passed a spelling test in my life. Mm-hmm. So I had the learning disabilities as a little kid, and mm-hmm. I just like knew I wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love that. I don't yeah. know where I don't have it, but maybe it's our birthday thing too. <laughs> we have the same birthday in case you missed it. <laughs> and we look a lot alike. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I hire contractors that are smarter than me mm-hmm. or have more knowledge about the thing that I need them to do. And so then I'm not trying to do their job because I actually don't know how to do their job. And I just generally think that I'm a person who likes to think of myself as not knowing anything. So, yeah. I mean, not, then, not yeah. to the detriment of my intelligence, right, 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 but right. I just don't know what we're doing here on earth. So I can't pretend to know what the best marketing tactic would be to help people understand the Hebrew month of Cheshvan. Yeah. So like unknown territory, all of it. Do you guys have, um, so I know that a lot of people who study moons, the full moon gets all the glory. Like yeah. full moon has a lot of practices and everybody sort of knows about it. There's a lot of full moon dances and a lot of full moon <clears throat> workshops and things at yoga studios. What is your relationship to the full moon in terms of at the well or just personally? Yeah. Well, Jews are pretty equal in our love when it comes to yeah. the moon. We, we spread the love around to different types of moons. Yeah. Um, every new moon is Rosh Chodesh, and that's the head of the month, and it gets extra prayer for all bodies and mm-hmm. all genders. Mark the moon. It's um, an important thing. And women, um, women get an elevated day of the new moon, and it... It can be transferred into lots of different ways of understanding and interpreting what that elevatedness means. But for us at At The Well, it's making these women's circles. So new moon, which is the dark time of the moon, is a very, very important holiday, mm-hmm. minor holiday um, for all Jews. Mm-hmm. We also put all of our Would fun Would you say holidays- all humans? I mean, I think it's what you bring into your life. Mm-hmm. If a human wants to bring the new moon mm-hmm. into their life, then yes. Mm-hmm. But in terms of people who are living a Jewish spiritual life, I'm talking mm-hmm. about people that want to bring in, mm-hmm. bring in that wisdom, whether mm-hmm. or not they were born to a Jewish family or not, is not an interesting question to me. It's mm-hmm. just this is what Jewish wisdom says. <clears throat> Got it. Um, but also all of our fun holidays and our harvest holidays are on the full moon. So we're really connected to it because mm-hmm. that's the way you trail time. Um, so Passover, Sukkot, start on full moons, Tuba Av, which is our love day that was way older than Valentine's Day, but happens <laughs> on a full moon. And actually any holiday that says Tuba, it means full moon of. So Tuba Shvat, which is the full moon of Shvat, which is the birthday of the trees. Mm-hmm. Tuba Av um, <coughs> means full moon of the month of Av, which is our love day. Mm-hmm. And our harvest festivals, like I said, start on it. And Purim, which is Queen Esther's big moments is also placed on a full moon so Mm -hmm. there's a relationship between Mm -hmm. it but the jewish calendar Mm -hmm. teaches us that the new moon is women and quiet and Mm -hmm. internal in your home and whispering and talking at night yes and the full moon's like hey let's get out there and celebrate maybe have a lot more babies yes I always say it's like, I just picture the like big fire and all the women around it like, ah, like dancing and shirts off and like you can't sleep because it's a full moon and it's so light and like just kind of that big. Yeah. So the Jewish calendar would reinforce that the full moon is a party time and the new moon is a quiet time. Yeah. Yeah. But both of them are important. Yes. Um, okay, so to start to wrap up, here's what I want to ask you. Someone's listening to this, and they're like, oh, well, that's nice that Sarah and Pleasants get to start things. <laughs> Must be because they have the same birthday. <laughs> Must be because they May are special. May, the right, send us gifts and cards. Yeah. Must be because they... So what would you say to someone who wants to create a path or follow an interest or a passion, and how can they do that? Okay, I'm going to answer that question, and I also want to give out some other 
things that the world does in terms of resources. Yeah, great. So remind me of that. So your question was, how do you do things? Yeah. Um, I think don't think that much about it and yeah. just start doing it. Yep. And Action. also small moments of awareness over time repeated become habit. So if you're trying to change your awareness practices mm-hmm. by, for example, um, noticing your anger, then just over time noticing it will make you be able to do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach this to kids and when I was teaching kids mindfulness all the time, like, just notice yourself. Just notice and notice and notice and notice. Mm-hmm. And then what you do after you notice is all your power. So notice, make a choice, notice, make a choice, notice, make a choice, notice, make a choice. And over time, you just start noticing more. Mm-hmm. And then you're just more empowered and driving your own car more. I think the same is actually just like kind of true if you're thinking about starting something. First of all, please keep going because we need you. Mm-hmm. And if you're called to do it, then mm-hmm. we need you. And you're not going to do it for any sort of glory because it's just not that glorious, the back end of things. Um, no. Yes, maybe you get to like dance with us on River Road in our leopard print suits in the middle of the day and that you have the liberty in your schedule to make those choices. Yeah. But the, the, in order to be able to do that, you've needed to have had a structured life in order to make that happen. So oh, The stuff that's not happening on Instagram, I say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, just start doing it. Yeah. Just start it. And don't think that it's going to be what it could be in 10 years. Like, every day, as someone... Like, I'm a big thinker. I'm someone who, yeah. like, sits on the mountaintop and sees what's possible yeah. and is frustrated that it's not happening. And every day, I have to, like, walk down the mountaintop yeah. and be like, where am I today? And yeah. what can I do today? And then, sometimes, on your third birthday, you look back and you're like, dang, yeah, I did a lot. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. And people look at you like as if you've like healed the world <laughs> and you're like, you have no idea what it's like to have done this. Yeah. So I just think it's about every day just doing it and just moving forward with it. Mm-hmm. The second thing is just to like be resilient, 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 resilient. Cause it's so, like you said before, bored. I'm not sure about bored cause I don't really like being bored myself, but I just love just, it. it was so honest. It was like, all right, y'all. Yeah. Just get bored. <laughs> it was like, or oh. angry or yeah, frustrated right. Right. or whatever. Like, all of those things are going to come up. You're trying to create something. You're literally taking a machete and forging a new path yeah. in the world. Yeah. It's not easy to be the one who's doing the machete every day. And if that's who your destiny is and your calling, then you need to just do it. But I would also say that if it's not who you are, then please go be an active follower because people like mm-hmm. me and like you need those people mm-hmm. to come behind and do the things and mm-hmm. then get the other people. And that mm-hmm. I think sometimes we forget about like somehow followers like a bad word or we, it's just so refreshing when there's, I'm running an event and there's five people like saying, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, those are not the people who are ever going to start an event themselves, mm-hmm. but they right. definitely can help you with registration. Yeah. And, and they definitely the can look you in the yeah. eye and say, do you need some water? Yeah. And it's those people that are able to help do things. In Torah texts, we see those followers all the time. Like Miriam gets forgotten about how much she did for her brother to mm-hmm. save the Israelites from slavery. When in actuality, Miriam saves her brother's life. She then goes and gets him from the wilderness. She then pushes him to follow his path. She looks out for his wife. She makes sure that everyone's got water wherever they go. When they crossed the Nile, she made sure they danced. She's a radical community organizer. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily known for being like the leader all the time. Right. But <clears throat> right. Um, 
Moses had a really dream team squad behind him yeah. that was making sure that all that stuff was happening. So, Oh, it's such a good point that not everyone... I mean, I always think about it in terms of <clears throat> like creative women-owned businesses because that's like one of my biggest spiritual practices <laughs> is how I run <clears throat> my behind the scenes. And so much of that talks about entrepreneurship. Um, the skill set is not for everyone, right? And of course it's not because ev- not everyone is going to be the D1 athlete or the amazing graphic designer, right? Is that there are so many ways that we can live in our zone of genius and that supporter or follower role, um, however you want to use it is such a is such an important part of the puzzle piece yeah. of the puzzle and it's never talked about because there's so much especially right now with social media <clears throat> writing articles doing talks being on uh, social media insta and all that stuff is so like there's oftentimes one face or one person and then there's a lot of I want that I want that you know I had someone yesterday I, probably two or to three times a week email and say I want to do what you're doing you know, I want to be a health coach or I want to speak or I want to have cl- private clients. I want to be a life coach, this kind of stuff. Uh, I see what you're doing and I want to do it. So it's, you know, digging in a little bit deeper into, well, who are you? What are your skills? What lights you up? What's your, yeah. What is your path? The book Strengths Finder 2.0 is yeah. really, really helpful for me. Yeah. If you've never done it before, I recommend it because it just shows <laughs> the, all the different types of leadership and yeah. that they that there's a lot of different of them and yeah I think also encourages you to find the people who you that could work well with which is the other side of this yeah it's both get going and yes. keep going yes. and don't be perfect and just do it yes and also it's like know who you are yeah. and figure out where you are where you really are yeah able to give to this mission that you see and it's also do it collaboratively yeah and it's like what are we love about our well circles because it's a collaborative leadership. It's a rotating leadership. I think it's a very feminine t- style of leadership. Yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> I encourage that. Um, doesn't need to be your name on the thing all the time. It's that's not what it's about. I don't think it is even about that for you. Um, no. Just it's yeah. This is so. This is such an awkward time for me because I'm not behind a community like the past three years. <clears throat> not being behind a school, not being behind a conference, not being behind a studio yeah. where it's like, oh, I'm Pleasance and I have to really stand behind Pleasance. what I teach with my name is super awkward. And just, it's just not, it's like part yeah. of my strengths finder is dynamic leadership, positive impact and contribution and community. So yeah. of course that's going to be a place. So I did that for three years and now looking ahead, I'm dreaming of building the little own life school, right? With Rita, like with some supporters, um, where we can really move that forward. So I feel that urge, but I also think that's an important part of the like ebbs and flows because otherwise people just see one thing and they don't realize all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes, which is what you were saying earlier. For sure. Just find support and dance. Yeah. I'll keep and wear leopard to this podcast pants. And okay, what are your people. other resources you wanted to share? Yeah, so I shared in the beginning that At The Well is sort of like the voice for Jewish wisdom in the wellness world. Yes. Um, and so <coughs> I, I, we talked a lot about Rosh Chodesh and the women's circles and the ritual of women coming together in that way. And like, you know, we have a lot of more resources on the line. And I would say that there's, we also talked about tracking spiritual time. Yeah. And I would say there's two other rituals that At The Well is really working hard to create channels to people's lives mm-hmm. that want it. And 
not necessarily from a religious standpoint, although this wisdom does come from a religion, just like mm-hmm. mindfulness has roots in Theravada Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, and those other two rituals that we work on, one's called mikvah and one's called nida. Mm-hmm. And um, mikvah is a ritual bath that is a technology or a tool to help people transform. Mm-hmm. So you go in to the mikvah, which has to be a flowing body of water, mm-hmm. and you come out a different person. People use it to... Um, for example, like convert to Judaism, mm-hmm. which is not what I'm suggesting, but I'm just using it as an example. You go in as um, someone who's not Jewish and you go to the mikvah and you do your prayer and you come out and you are Jewish. Mm-hmm. So it, you could do it um, if you are about to graduate high school and you are a high schooler and you go to the mikvah and you come out graduated. Mm-hmm. It's just a technology, a spiritual practice, something to help you mark a transformation. Mm-hmm. And I used it to heal from 15 years of eating disorders mm-hmm. and body image shame, which is a different podcast conversation. Mm-hmm. You'll come back, we could do that. Yes. <laughs> um, I just want to offer that, and our website has a lot of information and resources cool. on about how to make um, mikvahs meaningful in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then the second is called Nida, and it is menstrual cycle tracking, mm-hmm. which is another podcast conversation. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, it is a Jewish practice in partnership to mm-hmm. track, if you're in a partnership, someone who's a menstruator or a cycler to track that person's body in terms of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I also see it from a mental health perspective that I think that um, knowing where we are in our cycles as a spiritual practice is a radical wellness tool Yes, that's coming out of Jewish wisdom. And I think we can impact women's health because of it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that um, people that are have no idea what I'm talking about, which is probably a lot of my peers, considering 13% of millennials that are menstruating can tell you the last day of their bleeding cycle. What? There's just a lot separate com- separate podcasts. There's a lot of there's a lot of missing oh. connection. Um, anyways, we can support it. We have a book that we wrote called Wrestling with Menstruation that teaches. Um, the cycle from a mental health and fun and funny storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. And the second part is about how Jewish wisdom uses this as a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been hijacked by the patriarchy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of male bodies in Jewish wisdom writing about the female body. And mm-hmm. Athwell is a radical organization that's mm-hmm. doing this. And this book is like one of the first times that females... Um, or have written about the actual ritual. So Amazing. Um, amazing, totally. And so I just want the people <sighs> who have listened this far that might be like, whoa, what is going on? Yes. To also know that you can think of us for Rosh Chodesh and for Jewish time and for Nida and yeah. Mikvah as wellness practices, along with yep. you know, Passover being the oldest ritual in the Western world, um, the moment that the Israelites were free. And it's a totally embodied practice of cleaning your home and cleaning your body and having order and structure towards freedom. And so it's perhaps the first uh, spring detox. Mm -hmm. And so thinking of Jewish ritual from a wellness perspective Mm -hmm. is what we are here to do and serve the world. So come be part of building it with us. Yes. Yes. I'm going to put a link into the notes. Um, I just want to close by saying thank you Mm -hmm. for bringing your passion and interest and your 
desire to connect to all the parts of you because I've no, I know how important Judaism is to you and I know how important your spiritual life and bringing that and linking that all together to create the communities, to create <clears throat> this movement that is really, really, really profoundly helpful for the actual mental health and well-being of women is amazing. Like that is exactly the kind of work that we need and I know how much work it is. So I